Hello everyone and welcome. Today we are talking about money. We're talking about Jesus teaching, Jesus wisdom on money. Do you use money or does it use you? According to Jesus, money has a lot more power over us than we might think. Now, the thing about Jesus teaching on money that might surprise you is that he spent a lot of time talking about money. 11 of the 39 parables are all about money. They're all about money and possessions. Now, I've mentioned before that Jesus spends a lot of time teaching us in areas that we will struggle in. He teaches about how to deal with conflict. He teaches us about uh, how to get on with people in relationship. And he also speaks an awful lot about money, 11 of the 39 parables. That's a lot of teaching. I mean, you might think, well, aren't there more spiritual concerns that Jesus should be addressing? Why is he talking about money? I mean, shouldn't he be talking about prayer or, 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 well, he did, of course, speak about prayer. He did teach on prayer, but he spoke more about money. And I, I think the reason is because most people have trouble using money and possessions. And this includes people who say, oh, I really don't care about money. I don't really think about it. As long as I have enough to get by, I'm fine. That includes people who say that because Jesus would say, well, you should be thinking about it. You should be thinking about the power of money. It's common for people to live in houses they can't afford, uh, juggle loans just to get by. It's common for people to lie awake at night worrying how they're going to survive. Many people stay in jobs they hate because of money. They stay in unhealthy living situations because of money. People marry because of money. They stay married, not because they want to, but because of money. Many of us want, we want more. We want more money. It's easy to overspend individually, nationally, and many of us just don't know how to use it. And this is a teaching about how to use money. And that word, I use the word use carefully here because that's exactly, I think, what Jesus, where Jesus is going in this parable. You need to learn how to use it and make it work for you rather than you work for it. And what you'll find here is, is that Jesus reverses the common power dynamic that we have with money. Now, we, I've mentioned this before, that we, we tend to have two parts of our lives. You know, there's the practical part, like my work and my household and keeping my household in order. And then I have my finances and then some of us might have investments or savings. And we have our spending. And if we have children, yeah, we've got to take care of that take care of all their needs, so that's kind of our regular life. And then we have another part of our lives, which we call our spiritual life, spiritual care, self-care. And that might include things like prayer or meditation, or it might include uh, going to church, worshipping in a community of like-minded people. It could be volunteering at a charity. 
could be reading the scripture or listening to a teaching on a podcast like this. This could be seen as spiritual uh, care. We have these two parts to our lives. Our spiritual life and then the real life, the real world. Jesus is always, always about closing the gap between these two places. A healthy spiritual life always closes the gap until one day, you know, there isn't two parts of me anymore because God is influencing everything. So today we have this parable on money. And interestingly enough, it's got nothing to do with giving to the needy. Uh, I know that we often associate teachings on money on, we, we assume, oh, this is about giving to the church. Well, <laughs> this is not a teaching on giving to the church. In fact, this might surprise you. Jesus never, ever taught give to the church. He never taught that. I mean, of course, partly because the church didn't exist. The church didn't actually come about until after uh, Jesus died. But he, he never spoke about that kind of stuff. The, the students that he had were all uh, Jewish, ancient Jewish people, and they already had a practice of giving. It was like, of course you're going to give. All of Jesus' students would give, no matter how poor they, they were. They would have a practice of giving to the temple, that would their, their worshipping community. They would have a practice of giving to the needy, even if they were needy themselves. It was kind of a, a common practice. Now, we don't necessarily have this embedded within us. We, we weren't necessarily raised to, some of us were, some of us weren't, but we're not necessarily raised to think about giving to other people or giving to charity or giving to a spiritual community. So some of this might be new for some of us. Uh, Jesus... It was, and the people that he spoke to all gave. They all had a practice of giving. So he never actually said, you know, you need to learn how to give. Because they already had the basis, the basics down. They already had, okay, this is how you deal with your money and your possessions. This would be the beginner's guide. The beginner's guide would be, okay, you do know that you have to start giving some of it away, don't you? And you do know that it's not all about you. That would, I mean, if we were starting at the very beginning, we'd have to go back that, that far. But for Jesus, his first people, they're already giving. What he taught was, so he didn't say give to the church or anything like that, because everybody already was giving to their spiritual communities, and they were already giving to the needy, and they were already giving to the poor. But what he did teach was, and it's, this is a lot about motive, never give to get attention, never give for approval, never give anything to get ahead or never give to win someone's favor. If whatever you give, whether it's to an individual, whether it's to a, a church or a charity, you don't have to tell the world, right? If it's, this is what he taught. If it's truly a gift to God, you don't need any accolades, just do it quietly. God knows that's all you need. I mean, have you ever met someone who needs to tell you about how much money they have or how much things cost? 
And when we tell you they've got a new watch and it was like $10,000 or their car's $60,000 or how much their vacation was or what their home cost, it's a sure sign that their entire self-worth is tied to money. And Jesus continually warns against us. This is uh, kind of like the road to ruin in, in, in a way because it, it just doesn't work. We're never, ever going to be satisfied. So on to the parable. The parable is, this is a really strange one. It's called the parable of the shrewd manager. It's found in Luke 16. And I'm going to give you a, a brief, uh, simplified version. Here's the story. The story is that a bad manager was caught stealing from his boss. And his boss gives him the heads up that he's going to lose his job. Before he loses his job, the bad manager goes to one of the clients and says, well, how much do you owe the boss? And he says, well, I owe him 100 jars of olive oil. He says, okay, let's make it 50. Oh, okay, great. Thanks very much. Goes to the next client. How much do you owe the boss? I owe him 100 containers of wheat. Oh, okay, let's make it 50. So this manager's thinking, when I'm fired, these former clients will remember me and, you know, they're going to remember that I gave them a really good deal and hopefully they'll, they'll help me when I don't have any work. Hopefully they'll remember me and they'll help me. Now, when the boss finds out what the manager did, he can't help but be impressed with his shrewdness. Now, we don't use that word very much nowadays, but the original word in the Greek is translated thoughtful planning. Verse 8. The boss commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. And then the parable ends with this line, you cannot serve God and wealth. That's verse 13, which I'm sure was put in there <laughs> in a way of saying, okay, if you didn't get any of that parable, if the whole thing, did, if none of it made sense, at least you know what this line means. You can't serve God and wealth. You can't serve God and money. Something's going to lead. Is it going to be you or is it going to be your money and your possessions? So this would be like uh, if we used a contemporary example. It might be imagining a highly successful business person who's made billions of dollars. Some of the business practices are highly questionable. Jesus isn't admiring his dishonest business practice. He's saying, look at this person's street smarts. Look at their strategy. Look at the shrewdness. Look at the strategy. Look at the time that he or she's spent on this. All this planning and all this researching and all this thinking, making the deal, closing the deal. You know, this is the kind of person that works 12 hours a day, answers emails at 4 a.m., won't back down. It's like a contrast. I wonder if the children of light, I wonder if, I wonder if God's people, I wonder if God's people have that kind of devotion and planning. I wonder if God's people are using their, their energy and their wits and their intellect and their resources 
with an eye to please God. People have enough passion and time and energy to think about what would benefit me, what would benefit my loved ones, how can I get money to buy this or that. Kind of like he's saying, I wonder if the children of light have the same shrewdness. I wonder if they put time and energy when they're thinking about their money and their possessions, I wonder if they I wonder if they think about how to please God. Now, the whole thing is a bit of a setup in a way. The parable is a bit of a setup, I think, because most people don't. Most people don't. Just in case we missed the point, right? In verse 13, you can't serve God in wealth. A lot of a lot of us have trouble with money leading the way. Wealth Money, possessions for Jesus is something people have to learn how to use. For most people, it doesn't come naturally. And it's a relationship to money and possessions that Jesus teaches about. He doesn't say that wealth is bad, by the way. He doesn't say it's bad to be wealthy or you shouldn't be wealthy. He, but he does question, do you serve it? Or does it serve you? Which means who's doing the leading? Who has the power in the relationship? Jesus sees money as something that we have a relationship with. It's like an energy or a power that we have relationship with. And it, it can have influence over us or we can have influence over it. Right? So in this passage, he's suggesting that if if it's managed well, it can actually lead to life. If you read the whole passage... In Luke 16, he's, he suggests that it can actually lead to well-being in life for you and for other people. It can bring much good in the world. It can be used to great benefit, provided it's not leading the way. Now, like most topics, we are all so different and we're in such different places it's not that easy to apply this teaching. Because for some of us, we're going to be saying, you know, I really don't have any interest in money. I have a very simple life. It is not a big deal to me. And then there are going to be other people that will say things like, well, I have to admit, I have to be honest. I have always had trouble keeping a budget. And I overspend. And... It's, it's, it's a problem. It, I worry about it. And then others are going to say things like, well, it's complicated. I have a lot of people counting on me. And other people are going to say, well, it's not really me. I do this for the family. This is why I work so hard. This is why I think about it all the time. It's, it's not really about me. I'm trying to help other people. And, and then you have others saying, well, I worry about it all the time, even though I do have enough. Because that's a whole other thing, right? There's lots of people that have Plenty cash, but they still worry about running out. Well, whatever we are with our relationship to money and possessions, Jesus' call is always the same. And the call is always, what does being a faithful person look like? What does it look like to be a faithful person? If, if I always want more, if the grass is always greener, on the, if I'm always looking over the fence, if I'm always reaching to the next thing, why is that? See, that would be 
the spiritual line of inquiry. Why, why is that? What am I being led by? What is this emptiness? What is this envy? Or if I avoid dealing with money as much as possible, the line of inquiry would be, well, why am I, why am I avoiding it? Am I being led by fear? Is that what it is? Is that what is influencing me? Am I anxious and then it spills out onto everything else? Or if I have enough, but I'm scared I'll run out, why Why am I scared? You know, why am I scared I'll run out? Especially if I have enough. I mean, is it greed? Could it be greed? You know, the funny thing about greed is, I've never actually heard anyone say or confess I'm a greedy person. You know, people will talk about all sorts of weaknesses, though. They'll, they'll talk about being fearful about something. They'll talk about being anxious. Uh, never greedy. I've never actually heard anybody say, you know what the trouble is with me is? The trouble is, is I'm greedy, and that's why I have money troubles. <laughs> so <laughs> it, must be, it must be a hard one to, to admit to ourselves. Who has the power in the relationship? Who's in charge? These are the spiritual implications of money. Now, some people manage money very well. In fact, they can tell you exactly, you know, some people say, I can tell you how much we spend each month. I can tell you how much we save each month because we do. I can tell you exactly how much we give away because we do give money away. Again, Jesus' challenge remains exactly the same. It would be, are you faithful? I wonder if the children of light use their energy and their passion and their resources with an eye to pleasing God. You see, it is so easy to just get stuck on me and mine. As long as I'm okay and the ones that I love are okay, then that's the main thing. Jesus is saying that is absolutely wrong and that is not being faithful. That's not being faithful. Now, faithful, being faithful isn't necessarily giving money away. It's not necessarily giving away lots and lots of money because, uh, you know, sometimes people, honestly, they just don't have a lot. Now, the people that I, the people that are around me, and, and let me say it this way, if you can afford a latte, you've got extra cash. All the people around me have extra cash. So for us, uh, yes, it is important that we learn how to give. It is important that we learn how to, to be generous. But being faithful isn't solely about giving away money. I found something that was interesting. And this is a quote from David Loss. And he says, uh, he's a, one of my favorite theologians. I think he's based in Minneapolis. He says, might we refrain from assuming that the only faithful use of money is to give it away. But recognize that capital investment and productive commerce and fair and lively trade are also ways in which money has been used to create and share wealth with all of God's people. It's like whatever helps people is a good thing. 
I mean, you could be, you could have a small business and really look after your your employees well. That's being faithful. You could rent out a house to someone that you own and you charge a good rent. That's being faithful. Uh, you could give away some of your time to someone and not charge pro bono work. That's being faithful. So it's not just about giving away cold cash. It's about using it to benefit others in some way. That's what faith, being faithful looks like. I think when Jesus teaches on money, the easiest way to apply it to our lives is, is like this last 20 minutes, for example. If something has come to the surface for you, that's the area that you would open to God, open up for God's help. You know, something's coming to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really holding on. I'm really worrying about this too much. It's got too much power over me. Or, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to choose my career based on money. I'm not going to do that. Or, uh, I don't like the way that money is depleting me. It's not life-giving. Or, I'm tired of it running my life. You know, whatever comes to the surface for you. That's the area of spiritual healing or the area of, of spiritual growth. You might have gifts and talents that actually can make a lot of money, and that's great. If you have gifts and talents that make a lot of money, then the question is, well, okay, what are, you, are you leaving the world in a better place wherever you go? Because it's really a tool. Jesus is teaching us that it's possessions and money is a tool. It's something that we use well or not. So whatever bubbles to the surface for you, as you think about money, you think about possessions, and whatever comes up, there's the heart cry. You see, whatever surfaces is the heart cry. God, yes, help me in this area. I, I want to learn how to follow this is the first step I want to learn how to follow your way and how I use the money and the possessions that I have well thank you for joining me you've been listening to Celtic Preacher join with me again next week for another episode